0: Now, here is Dr. Paula.
1: Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and I'm grateful to be here with and for you today. You are all part of a global community with fellow listeners in over 1,200 regions from every corner of the world. Thank you for being here with and for me and for continuing to spread the word to your friends, relatives, and colleagues. A special note of gratitude goes this week to our listeners in the Countries of India, Ireland, and Canada, and in the states of Oregon, Minnesota, and Virginia. Welcome and thank you for your continuing support because you keep listening. Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit is a top-ranked show here on Voice America, the leader in live internet talk radio. Thank you for making this show success possible. I love hearing from you, so please keep sending me your questions and comments. And now for your tip for the week from my ebook, 33 Tips for Self Empowerment. Self empowerment connects you to your limitless higher self, giving you an inner foundation of love which eliminates fear and brings in peace and joy. In honor of our topic today, your tip is keep a success journal. It's easy to take for granted what's working in our lives and just focus on what's absent. In a special journal, take a few minutes every day to write down One to three ways in which you were successful in your emotional responses, thoughts, words, or actions include changes in your relationships, work, health, and or finances. Even the smallest action or new thought can be a major personal victory. The more you do this the better you will feel about yourself and the better you feel about yourself, the easier it is to make compassionate, life-affirming choices that contribute to the well-being of all. You could even dedicate your journal to aligning your intention to making compassionate, life-affirming choices for the well-being of all with your thoughts, words, and actions being in total alignment. When just 10% of us commit to this, we will create lasting social transformation. Even if you don't like the choices before you, you can still choose the best one available. The key is committing to thinking, saying, and acting in compassionate, life-affirming ways for the well-being of all. If we are afraid to speak up, if we make fun of people, if we engage in name-calling or referring to people in any demeaning way. We are putting out negative vibrations which work against our positive intentions and choices. Included in our compassionate, life-affirming choices must be the choice to speak our truth and to do it in a civil and respectful way. I do so by stating facts. We must know the truth and speak the truth in a compassionate, life-affirming way for the well-being of all. gratitude, abundance, love, peace and positivity as we allow ourselves to know the truth of our own experiences and feel the pain of our past or present life and let it go we open ourselves up to the joy of being fully alive in every moment we change the energy in our body and literally become younger and healthier feel lighter and have more energy we truly know and feel the joy, beauty and love in our lives my show helps do You do that by providing you with new information, perspectives, and techniques, inspirational stories, and guests who are thought leaders in their field, like our guest today, Stephanie Schwartz, who is returning to talk about creating lasting personal and social change. His first visit was September 22, 2016, which I encourage you to listen to that show. And I asked him to come back because his message of hope is desperately needed now. Now, Stefan has the research proving we can make a difference and showing us exactly how we can help create a better world. In last week's show, Dina Miriam talked with us about her journey through many lifetimes. These memories came to her while meditating and dreaming. She emphasized that the purpose of karma or the law of cause and effect is to help us, not to punish us. We are on earth to grow and learn how to not cause harm and how to love ourselves and others more. When we see how we keep repeating certain negative patterns over many lifetimes, we can choose to accept responsibility for our circumstances and make healthy, self-loving changes. She also talked about how we must learn to listen to our inner self and value the wisdom of our intuitive sense, which is always trying to guide us. There are helpers everywhere in the real world and in the spiritual realm. We just need to ask them for help. Sometimes people enter our lives for a short period of time to help us awaken. When their role is complete, we can let them go with gratitude. To listen to this show, I encourage you to click on the episode link on this page. For previous shows on Past Lives, please listen to our shows on September 10, 2015 with Dave DeSano, Reincarnation, The Proof, and The Gift. December 8, 2014, with Dr. Bernie Siegel, Bernie's Wisdom, The Soul, Spiritual Guides, and Past Lives, and December 10, 2015, with Mark Ireland, Proof of the Afterlife. You can hear these shows or any others that you may have missed or want to listen to again. That's the beauty of having the shows on demand. You have... Easy access anytime, day or night, allowing you to listen when it fits your schedule or when you need hope, comfort, and inspiration. Whenever it is, I'm here for you. For added value, follow my blog with Mary and Stephen's story and my life coaching responses on my website, paulajoyce.com. And speaking of coaching, I have a special offer as a gratitude gift for being chosen by Expertise as one of the best life coaches in Dallas. Expertise.com writes, A business cannot pay to be included, and everyone is objectively qualified using 25 criteria. Only 16 of us were selected from over 300. To celebrate, all new clients will receive a 15% discount on their first life coaching session or group of three sessions, which can be in person over the phone or on Skype. Please click on the link to contact me before the end of August to take advantage of the special 15% discount. My next workshop is Discovering Your Inner Creativity. Albert Einstein said, creativity is intelligence having fun. We are all born creative, but as we grow up, judgment and criticism cause us to doubt ourselves, and the fun disappears. We're told there's a right way to be creative, and what we are doing is inadequate or just wrong. This leads to inhibitions and fears that shut down our creative flow and separate us from our inner wisdom. We all have our unique creative expression. Creativity is about allowing yourself to play, feeling safe to freely express yourself, and being fully engaged in the creative process without worrying about what the finished product will look like and what others will think of it. To deny your creativity is to hide the deepest part of yourself behind closed doors. It's time to free your creativity, and in doing so, free yourself. In our time together, you will dissolve the hidden blocks to your creativity, move effortlessly from inhibition to freedom, create from your soul, discover your unique creative expression, release stress and anxiety, and leave with new insights, purpose, and energy. For details and registration, go to paulajoyce.com. If you don't live in Dallas, contact me for individual or group coaching or invite me to give a speech in your area or to present this workshop or another one, like the OM Awakening or Discovering Hope and Silver Linings. Our guest today, scientist, futurist, and award-winning author Stefan Schwartz is a distinguished consulting faculty member at Saybrook University, editor of the Daily Web publication, Schwartz schwartzreport.net and columnist for the journal Explore. Two of his six books have won awards, including The Eight Laws of Change and The Vision, a novel of time and consciousness. He has written over 130 technical papers and published in the Smithsonian, Washington Post, New York Times, and Huffington Post. You're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor. If you want to get uplifting messages between shows, please click on the link to like us on Facebook. Only like and follow the people who add positivity to the world. The answer to hate is love. As Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. While listening to the commercials, go to my website, paulajoyce.com, to like us on Facebook, then friend Paula Joyce, and I'll help you be part of the solution. I post all of our shows and and the on-demand shows so that you can get advance notice and also listen on-demand if you're not able to listen live. Then read about and register for my Discovering Your Inner Creativity workshop or contact me to schedule one in your area. Your question for today is What is happening in today's world that you want to change? Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Stefan Schwartz to talk about creating lasting personal and social change.
2: what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session.
0: That's one 888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Dr. Paula Joyce at gmail.com. Now, back to uplift your life, nourishment of the spirit.
1: If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, The Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I always appreciate hearing from you, my listeners, and as a top-ranked show, when you choose to advertise with me, you reach hundreds of thousands of people. If this interests you or if you want to help sponsor the show, please call one 472 5795 or email drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. I value you and what you have to say, so please let me know what's on your mind and heart. And I hope you wrote down what's happening in today's world that you want to change. And I'm so pleased to welcome Stefan Schwartz, who's back with us to talk about creating lasting personal and social change. Stefan, it's really good to have you on the show again.
3: My pleasure. Glad to be here.
1: Well, I I invited you to come back because I quote you over and over again when people are discouraged with what's going on in our country and in the world and they're feeling lost and, and needing hope. And so I always talk about what... You shared with us on that first show, and I wanted you to come back and talk to us again about the eight laws of change and um, explaining more completely and the importance that each person has that we are not helpless and that there is always hope and positive action that we can take.
3: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's very important you know, they don't teach it in school, and nobody talks, no politician talks about it very much, but the truth of the matter is there is no force on Earth that is more compelling, more powerful than the collective intention of a large mass of human beings. And so the question, collective intention, and when you have individuals who at their individual level has nothing to do with whether you have money or whether you have an official position or, you know, whether you command armies, I mean, this is how Gandhi got independence for India. You know, he's the only person who ever was able to leave the British Empire um, to get independence for his country without conflict. So if we individually make the commitment that we will support only those things which are compassionate, life-affirming, and fostering of well-being, all through the day we make decisions and choices we buy things, we stop and, and use things, whatever. Whenever you're faced with a, a choice, first of all, be aware you're making a choice, a decision. And second of all, always of the options that are available to you, always choose the one that is the most compassionate and life-affirming. None of them may be a great option, but one of them inevitably will be better. And if you do that, you take it on as a discipline and you tell 10 people that you're doing it and you invite them to uh, join you in taking on that commitment to only make life-affirming choices, and that they will do it and pass it on to 10 of their friends, very quickly you can see a large mass of people holding collective intention forming. And when that happens, you see social change. That's how, just to give you examples of... You know, it used to be when I was a child that you went over to somebody's house and there was a pack of cigarettes and an ashtray and and a lighter and that was just sort of standard. You never see that anymore, and why is that? It's not because they passed a law against smoking. It's because thousands and thousands of individuals said, I'm not going to do that anymore. You can see it in the change of gender awareness that's going on right now. Look at what is happening with Me Too, for instance, and the growing societal commitment for gender equality. I mean, that's not because somebody passed a law. I mean, quite the contrary. There's a large block of politicians who don't want women to be equal, and yet this equality is occurring because large masses of people hold that intention. You can see it in the gay to LGBT where people stopped using gay and started using LGBT, which is not just a change in terminology, but it's a change in how you conceptualize gender. And so when you look at social change, and you think to yourself, oh, I'm just an ordinary person. I have no particular power to do anything. The truth is, You have an enormous power. All you have to do is to make the commitment that you will do that which is compassionate and life affirming, and you will encourage others to do the same. And when that happens, collective intention is irresistible.
1: And and it can be as simple as opening a door for someone, saying good morning, smiling at somebody. Absolutely. it, it it changes how I feel when somebody does something nice.
3: Absolutely. You, I once, in fact, I wrote a, I wrote an article about this uh, for a magazine. Um, uh, when I was a young man, I went to work in Washington D.C. and um, for a little while, I worked as a researcher for a law firm. And one day, uh, they were having a vote about uh, mine safety. And uh, the law firm that, uh, that I was working for were um, lobbying to have this law pass, the that, 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 that better working conditions for miners. And one of the senators who was opposed, who was sort of owned by the coal industry, but he came over to the law firm, and when he got, we got there in those days, this was a law firm called Steptoe and Johnson, in those days, uh, in the building they were in, they still had elevator operators, and one of the elevator operators was a woman named Maria, who was a Hispanic woman who had the most enchanting smile, and we got, in, as it came out in the morning, the senator and his staff were just arriving as I was arriving, and we both got into, we all got into the same elevator, it was Maria, and she gave this enchanting smile, and wished everybody good morning, and so we drove up and rode up in the elevator, and they had the meeting, and when they came out of the meeting, it was clear it had not gone well, and that the senator was not going to support the bill, and we rode down again, and just as it happened, I was going out to lunch, and, and so we rode down together again in Maria's elevator, and again Maria smiled and said that she hoped that they were having a good day. And the uh. next day they had the vote, and the senator changed his vote. And I knew one of his staffers quite well, and I said to him, what happened? I mean, they, I could tell the law firm wasn't successful. He said, you know what did it? I said, no. He said, it was that Hispanic lady in the elevator. She smiled going up and she smiled coming down and wished us well. And as we were riding back, the senator said, you know, if I vote against this thing, people like that woman and her husband would, would be harmed. And I just, I just don't feel good about it, so I'm going to change. And he changed his vote, and as a result of that, the bill passed. And so, did that elevator operator know that she had changed the whole course of American history? No. She just did it because she wanted to be supportive of well-being. So you never know when you're the angel that made the difference.
1: And and that is so important. I want to put that in bold letters, is that we don't always see the result Of what we do. And so it's easy to get discouraged because we look at the television or read the newspaper or the online reports or whatever about some of the very horrific, inhumane things that are happening to people at our borders and all over the world. And it can feel like, what can my smile do? What can my um, doing something positive, how can that possibly touch the enormity of the pain that other people are experiencing?
3: Well, you know, let me illustrate it with a story. Uh, right before he was assassinated, um, uh, just after India got independence, um, a reporter went up to Gandhi, who was at his ashram, and the reporter said to him, You know, Gandhi, my editor sent me up here, and he has only one question he wants me to ask. And Gandhi said, Well, go ahead and ask the question. And and uh, uh, the reporter said, the, My editor wants to know, how you forced the British to leave India? You have no title. You have no official position. You had no money. You have no army. How did you get the most, one of the most powerful nations on earth to abandon their most cherished possession? I mean, you know, the queen was the, uh, the empress of India. So how did you get them to leave without a fight? And Gandhi's answer was, very illustrative of the point you're making, Paula, he said, it isn't what we did that mattered, although that mattered. It isn't what we said that mattered, although that mattered too. What made the difference was the nature of our character, our beingness, that led the British to choose, notice the difference between force and choose, to choose to leave India. There is, I keep. T- I tell people this all the time, you know, if the viewers or the listeners to your program, all of those people all over the country, if they would make this commitment to what I call the quotidian choice, that is, every day I make hundreds of choices, from now on, I'm only going to make the, the option, I'm only going to choose the option that is the most compassionate and life-affirming. And I'm going to tell people that I'm doing it and invite them to join me. The people that are listening to this program today can change the course of the election in November.
1: Wow. That's powerful. And, and I, I want you to talk a little bit more about beingness and what that means and how it impacts everything.
3: Well, we, I mean, the nature of our character is a composite of our, of who we are, our values, our intentions, and people, I mean, you know, you've met people that just being around them seems to make you feel better. They just, they have a certain quality to them. It's their beingness. By the same token, you meet people, and from the moment you meet them, you know, this is not a good person and I don't want to get involved with this person because I just don't know why, but bad vibes. Well, that's, again, that's the nature of beingness. Beingness is, is who we are, not only who we claim we are, but who we really are, based on the choices that we really make, on the things that we say, on the attitudes that we hold. And when you recognize how powerful that is. And to give you just an experimental example, a friend of mine, Roger Nelson, has a thing called the Global Consciousness Project. Roger was uh, the lab manager at the Princeton Engineering Anomalies Research Group at Princeton University. And they did regular experiments in which they asked individuals to Cause and effect to occur with something called a random number generator that's a device that is by design supposed to be random so it sends out numbers that are randomly sent out or it sends out particles or whatever it's but it's designed and is supposed to be unchangeably random and yet they discovered that individuals who held the intention to do so could make random number generators go non-random. Well, that's at the individual level. So Roger asked the very important question, what happens if there is collective intention, collective focus? And so he put these random number generators all over the, all over the planet, And they run 24-7. You can go to his website, Global Consciousness Project. He makes all the data completely available. But in any case, what he has discovered is that when there is a coalescence of awareness, of focusing, like Princess Diana's death or the tsunami in Japan or Nelson Mandela's funeral or a major sporting event, when there is a coalescence, of intentioned awareness, but even though the people don't know that they're doing it, when this when this coming together, this this coalescing of intentioned awareness occurs, these random number generators all over the world go non-random. And what that's telling us is literally, intentioned focused awareness changes the nature of reality. So if you think you're powerless because, well, you don't have a big job or you don't make a lot of money or, or you're a retired person or, you know, you, you just, you're not a big personality in the world, that doesn't mean that you're not powerful and that you don't have the capacity to join together with other people. Indeed, we even know how many people it takes. It takes 10%. Interesting, because that's like the Bible, the 10 good men, this 10% thing. was. This is based on research that was done at Van Rensselaer Polytech Institute. So what they've discovered is that when 10% of any group of people, whether it's a church group or a school committee or a nation, change in consciousness, then the whole cohort has to change to accommodate
1: That's like the hundredth monkey.
3: Let's pick this up. Same idea.
1: Yes, let's pick this up after break. This is powerful. And I also want to talk about the people who are afraid to speak up. Um, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life Nourishment of the Spirit. While you're listening to the commercials, go to my website, paulajoyce.com, to sign up for my newsletter. You receive the information on all our shows and the chapter on my ultimate creative problem solving process for my best selling book, which will help you release hidden fears and blockages, tearing your soul, your true self, your inner wisdom, healing at deep levels, and getting. Getting what you truly want in life. This process came to me in that space that Albert Einstein talked about between sleeping and waking. It was a gift from the spiritual realm that helps my clients align their conscious and unconscious mind and move forward with ease and speed. They change from the inside out, creating lasting change and self empowerment. Now, on your paper, write down what you can do to help create lasting personal and social change. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Stephen Schwartz to talk more about creating lasting personal and social change.
2: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit PaulaJoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214 208 83533 or visit PaulaJoyce.com today Time for a fresh perspective from leadership development to team building and re your mission
0: VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com It's your world. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with Dr. Paula Joyce. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141 That's 1-888-346-9141 You may also send an email to DrPaulaJoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit.
1: If you're just tuning in, I'm I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the life doctor. Welcome back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. And I hope you wrote down what you can do to help create lasting personal and social change. Remember to listen at the end of the show today to learn how Archangel Jethryah can help you. And I'm so glad we're here talking with Stefan Schwartz about his book, The Eight Laws of Change. Stefan. we were um, talking about the 10%, which is fascinating, or the 10 good men. I think there was, I I interrupted you, so I'd like you to finish that, please.
3: Well, the the, the thing about the 10%, it's one of those unusual things which uh, don't appear to be causally related, but which are. And so when you hold the intention to To be compassionate and life affirming and fostering of well being, even though you don't know it, there are other people all over the planet who are holding that same intention. And so when you join, when you hold that concept and you make the commitment to act on it by making choices which are compassionate and life affirming consistently, What you may not recognize is that other people are doing the same thing and that because all consciousness is interlinked and interdependent, when a group of people reach the critical mass of 10% where they're all making these compassionate, life-affirming choices, even though they don't know each other, they don't even know that other people are doing it, just the fact that they are doing it Causes changes, and as I said, you can actually see this happen. I mean, we are watching it happen right now. You like the park? You know these these school shootings, this awful thing that is just. I mean, goes on. You know, time after time, those kids at Parkland School they joined forces in consciousness with other students and with people who felt as they felt. And so, even though there's no direct causal connection, nonetheless, you can feel socially the changes that are being produced, because the key to this whole business is holding intentioned, focused awareness on something. And when you hold that intentioned, focused awareness, I'm going to make choices that only support well-being. I'll give you an example. I went out for lunch and they no longer at this restaurant where i had lunch they don't give straws out and i've noticed this is not the first restaurant i notice rest i live in washington state and all over the state when you go out to restaurants now people don't give straws because there's straws these plastic straws cause a huge amount of problems now nobody passed a law that said you can't give plastic straws out But people at individual restaurants, individual waiters and waitresses, individual restaurant owners, individual people eating in the restaurant have made a common decision. I'm not going to use plastic straws. They cause a huge pollution problem. And by goodness, you can begin to see this mentioned in the media. People are beginning to talk about it. And where does that come from? It comes from ordinary people making a decision, I'm not going to use a plastic straw because the pollution they produce is a real problem and we don't need this problem. And you can watch it happen. So you can see this empowerment occurring. You just aren't attuned to it because nobody bothers to point it out or to mention that when this collective intention comes together, coalesces together, that social change occurs. And of course, it terrifies politicians.
1: But now we know this and we understand the power of the people, <laughs> of the individual, that, um, and if it terrifies politicians, I guess maybe they need to start paying attention to the people. It is government for the people, by the people, of the people, right? <laughs>
3: Yeah, that's right. And so you can see this you can see these kind of things beginning to happen. The number of women that are suddenly running for office, for instance. I find that very extraordinary. Literally, if you look at the number of women who ran in say the 2016 election or the 2012 elections and you look at the number who are going to be running in 2018, what happened? And the answer is All over the United States, thousands of women said, you know, I want to vote for a woman. I want a woman to run for Congress. I want a woman to run for mayor. I want a woman to run for the city council. And they are because they are motivated and feel empowered because the collective intention of the women who back them have coalesced together. And so we have, in 2018, we're going to have the largest number of women voting for public office, or or running for public office in American history. And by the way, when women get into office, the policies of that government change fundamentally for the better.
1: Well, we we have a, a different collective consciousness, I guess. That um, that that, and we do do things differently, and we think about things differently. We, being women, I'm speaking for, of, of myself as a woman, and so yes, and and it's time, and the collective knows that that it is time for this change, and I'm wondering about all of the people who are still afraid to speak their truth, even with all of the things that you're talking about. And I love that you're emphasizing so many positive changes that are occurring and and, and good changes, changes that we need. And I still see people who hide and won't speak up because they're afraid somebody might criticize them or disagree with them
3: or not well, like that, them. That's true. I mean, and it takes bravery to speak out. Yes, it's true. It takes bravery. And you have to, you know, that's the thing about a democracy. Democracies work. They are, in essence, a political structure that uh, allows collective intention to express itself. you think about it, what is a democracy? It's a way in which a collective intention of a large number of individuals can be expressed as social policy. And you can see the negative proof of this. You know, we have about a third of the country that in which racism and greed and and a kind of the, the, you can you can see it in the distortion of what's happening in Christianity where you have people a movement that is espousing things which Jesus would have been appalled at and yet They are, it's working, it is having a huge influence in the country right now because this idea of collective intention does not mean that it has to be positive intention. When you get a large number of people who hold negative intention, You get negative effects. I tell people all the time, you know, the important thing to remember is that both Hitler and Mussolini did not come to power as a result of a coup. They came to power as a result of an election. So when Mm -hmm. people tell you, oh, I'm not going to vote or I don't know who to vote for, or voting doesn't make any difference. Oh, yes, it makes a lot of difference. So one of the places where all of your listeners can test their commitment to well-being and, and to fostering of well-being is in how they vote, and that they vote. Because in a democracy, everybody has, is a player, and if, if you can't just hide in the closet, you need to speak out, you need to speak your truth, You don't have to be confrontational, you don't have to get into fights, and it's more than the speaking, it's the acting, it's the choices you make, it's what you buy, the companies you support, the programs you support. Support, the foundations or charities you support. It's how you treat your neighbors, how you treat the old lady who comes into the library. It's all of these little mundane interactions that happen through the course of the day. So you don't have to stand up and speak, become an orator. You, you can make your truth re- real by the choices that you make, that you always support that which is compassionate and life affirming. You don't have to say anything because it is those choices which cause the change.
1: Even you spoke about voting, so some of us are in states like Texas where my vote doesn't Um, isn't heard the same way that my vote might be heard in other places. And yet because of the collective unconscious and intention, the collective intention, it's still important that I vote and that I take that action because I am then actualizing that commitment and helping that energy to
3: grow. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you think about Texas, you're out in Texas. Texas is undergoing a fundamental transformation. It's becoming a majority-minority state. That is, there are, there are now, actually I haven't looked at the figures today, but, but um, Texas either is or is about to be a state in which there is no majority racial group. And so if all of the people in Texas who support that which is compassionate and life-affirming would actually get out and vote... They would begin the change, and then once that change started, and the and the uh, the state legislature changed, then the gerrymandering can be uh, can be eliminated, uh, because that's part of what's wrong with Texas is that it's been gerrymandered so that if you vote in some districts, it doesn't matter as much as if you vote in other districts. So. This, is, this isn't change. It's not instantaneous. There's no fairy godmother that's going to come down and wave a magic wand. This resides in our capacity to walk the talk we espouse. You know, a lot of people talk about, oh, they're consciousness people and they want to do things and they have spiritual uh, considerations they make. It all gets down to what you're doing. You know when Jesus says as you treat the least of me so you treat uh, so you're treating me. You know the message is really quite simple. Love your brother and lo- love God and love your brother and in that is the whole of the law and the prophets. This is very simple stuff. That's what Gandhi was saying. He didn't have an army. He had a mass of peasants. But their intention caused one of the most powerful military forces in the world to withdraw. And it happened because of the beingness, the choices they made, the state of awareness that they held, the involvement that they felt. We have this before us. It's set before you, good and evil. Which are you choosing?
1: Wow. And uh, along those lines, (laughs) excuse me, what I noticed, and I want to say it again, is that you keep going, focusing on the positive changes as opposed to looking at what's not in place yet. And yes, change does take time. It doesn't happen overnight. And I think one of the messages that you're giving us or one of the messages that I'm receiving is that part of the intention or one of the intentions is to stay positive and hopeful and focus on what we can do as individuals and on the things that are changing because of those individual efforts. Efforts.
3: Yes, I mean, you know, when I wrote The Eight Laws of Change, one of the things that, I mean, I got into this because four times in my life I had been involved with changing history. Civil rights in the 50s and 60s, the transformation of the American military from an elitist conscription organization to the all-volunteer meritocracy we have today, in the that was in the seventies, in the eighties, what came to be known as citizen diplomacy between the Soviet Union and the United States, and uh, through all of that, the consciousness revolution and its first cousin, the ecological revolution. So I began studying how these changes occur, and so let me just give your readers this to give so that they understand that how really powerful this is. If you look at the Quakers, for instance, there are today in the United States less than 87,000 Quakers. We have 318 million people in the country. Only 87,000 of them are Quakers. In the whole of American history, going back to the colonial period, there have been less than 500,000 Quakers. So this group is so small that most people have never met a Quaker, have absolutely no idea what they believe, what their services are like. Uh, the only thing they know about Quakers is it's on an oatmeal box. And yet, if you look at all of the positive social transformational movements in the course of American history over 240 some years, what you see is they begin with a tiny group of Quakers abolition. Women's suffrage, penal reform, public education, the ecological movement. All of this begins with a tiny little group of Quakers. You don't know their names. They're not trying to get you to know their names. They do it entirely anonymously and perfectly happy about that. They simply hold this intention that they that, they're, that they foster well-being. So how did this tiny little group of people that most people have never met one, don't know anything about them, and yet over and over again they have been instrumental in creating positive social change? And the reason is is that the Quakers follow the eight laws, which was the point of the eight laws book. And so let me give you the eight laws.
1: Okay. The first um,
3: law. Go ahead. Is, all right? No.
1: Go, yeah, go ahead, and then we need to wrap up. But I do want you to do this. Go ahead.
3: Okay, because for your readers, uh, for your readers, for your listeners. listeners. Th- the, th- this is this is the key to the whole business. The first law, the individuals individually and the group collectively must share a common intention. That's what we've been talking about. Second law. The individuals in the group may have goals, but they do not may not have cherished outcomes. I got that from the abolitionists, because they would say, slavery is a moral evil, and it must end. I'm not sure how it's going to happen, but I am committed to that happening. So you have a goal, the ending of slavery, but they don't have a cherished outcome about how it happens. Third law, the individuals in the group must accept that their goals may not be reached in their lifetime and be okay with this. Again, I got this from these movements that brought about social change. They did the work even though they didn't know and, in fact, often thought that it wouldn't happen in their lifetime. Fourth law, the individuals in the group must accept that they may not get either credit or acknowledgement for what they have done and be authentically okay with that. That's the Quakers again. That you don't know their names. They just did the work, and they were okay with that. Fifth law, each person in the group, regardless of gender, religion, race, or culture, it must enjoy fundamental equality, even as the various roles in the hierarchy of the effort are respected. We're high-order primates. We organize in hierarchies. But that does not mean that the person at the top is any way superior to the person at the bottom. They are all fundamentally human beings. Sixth law, the individuals in the group must forswear violence in word, act, or thought. This is what Martin Luther King understood about the Civil Rights Movement. Seventh law, the individuals in the group and the group itself must make their private selves consistent with their public postures. How many preachers do we know who preach morality and then in their own lives do not practice it? Eighth law, the individuals in the group and the group collectively must always act from the beingness of life-affirming integrity. When you get... When you live those eight laws and you align yourself with organizations that live with those eight laws, you have a powerful probability that you will be successful. Nonviolent change occurs successfully 75% of the time. Violent change only is successful 25% of the time, and it doesn't last. So the life affirming way is the way to go.
1: Thank you so much, Stefan, for sharing so much. Helpful information to us that's research-based and also spiritually sound. Thank you so much, and I encourage all of you to go to StephanASchwartz.com and also to purchase his book, The Eight Laws of Change. And I want to thank my audience for listening today, and um, encourage you also to go to my website, PaulaJoyce.com, if uh, to learn about my services. And I promised you I'd introduce you to Archangel Jethraya who's the archangel of positive change, and you can pray to her in addition to whoever else you pray to, and she will help you to... Use these eight laws of change if you ask. Please join us next Thursday right here when Mary and Ronald Hulnick will talk about the light within soul-centered living, and on August 9th, when Sarah Ann Shockley will talk about making it easy to live with and move beyond pain. This is Dr. Polly, your CM or chosen mom, as designated by Dr. Bernie Siegel. Remember, you are loved. All is loved.